This is Pastor D. Washington coming to you live from out of Atlanta, Georgia. We want to welcome you back to the Promise of Our Father podcast. We want to thank all our spiritual cuts leaders out there that's doing the work of the ministry and that's edifying the body of Christ and continually, continually to actually walk in the authority and the power that God has given us through the anointing and the teaching of Christ. We thank God for all those all over the world who's tuning in and understanding these messages and beginning to understand that the words of eternal life has to be manifested through the glory of God because God wants his glory to be revealed through his people. God thank us. God love us. God bless us because he think about us all the time. He, We are always on the mind of God in such a way where God is continuing to operate in us in such a powerful way where he wants us to realize that he's doing something special among those who are actually being in a place where he called them to be. Because God is changing the atmosphere. He's paradigm shifting the atmosphere into a place where he desired for it to be before the foundation of the world. God has set eternity in our hearts. Huh? That we may understand the beginning and the end. But in the first time he put it in there, or the first time he put it there, we couldn't comprehend what he was doing. But now he's getting through his son, through his teaching, through the knowledge of the glory of his spirit. He's beginning to let us understand what he is doing. And we just thank God for blessing here, blessing us here at the Spiritual Cuts Ministry in such a way like never before. We want to thank God for all those who've been participating and been praying for the ministry and continue to do that what God has called us to do. Without further ado, let's get to the words of eternal life. Again, this is Pastor D. Washington. Coming to you live from out of Atlanta, Georgia, from the Spiritual Cuts Ministry and the Promise of Our Father podcast. Let's go to 1 John chapter 3, verse 9. Last week we came from 1 John chapter 3, verse 7. But this week we're going to come from 1 John chapter 3, verse 9. And 1 John chapter 3, verse 9, read, read this here. Whosoever has been born of God does not sin. For his seed remains in him or her, and him and her cannot sin, because he or she has been born of God. This is amazing because most people don't even realize that he or she has been born of God because I think most people think because they've been born again, they've been born of God. And as we go through this podcast and as we go through this series, we're going to begin to realize that most people hardly don't even understand what they've been born into after being born or baptized in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, or in the name of the Holy Spirit. Or in Acts Acts 2.38, or in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So everybody got their variation or they, they got their way of wanting to baptize you. And, I'm not, and that's not what this message is about. As long as you be dipped in the water and your sins are, huh? The sins are being remission. That's what's important. Because without the blood of a, without the shed of any blood, without the shedding of blood, 
your sins cannot be remission. So therefore, when you are baptized in the name of the Father or in the name of the Son or in the name of the Holy Spirit, there is a process you must understand. But I remember and recall that people baptize us back in our days and they just say these things but not explain these things to you. So you're being baptized in the water and the Spirit, or so-called in the name of the Father, or the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and don't even know what you're being baptized into besides what they just said. So this message in 1 John chapter 3, verse 9 says, whoever has been born of God does not sin. So something in the baptism take away what happened before you became born again. The bond of God takes away what God says he born you into. In verse 10, 1 John chapter 3, verse 10 says, In this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifested. Whosoever does not practice, hey, righteousness is not of God. Nor is he or she who does not love his brother. Not his brother he's talking about. He's talking about our brother who is Christ, who is the son of God. Because the baptism brings us back into the family. It brings us back into the fold. But look what he says in verse 10 again. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifested. So those who are manifested come from out of being birthed from out of God that does not have sin. But those who don't understand that they've been born of God and think they're still in sin, this is the manifestation of the devil. And they do not practice righteousness. And they do not know that they're not of God. No, he or she who loves his son Christ, our brother. So I want to tag this. Here. This is interesting to me because when I was studying today, looking over these messages and looking over these scriptures, I'm always in, in amaze at what God is doing in such a more powerful way. And I thank God for giving us the revelation knowledge here at the Spiritual Culture Ministry um, through the revelation knowledge of breaking down uh, the middle walls of separation and, and getting those to understand how we understand and believe what we know from out of 1 John 5, 13, that you may know that you have eternal life that you may know that you have eternal life. So the manifestation of the devil has been manifested to those who does not practice eternal life. So I want to tie and tag this. Whoever has been born of God does not sin. Whoever has been born of God does not sin. There are many things in this life we as a group of people, regardless of your ethnicity group you derive from, will never understand there are so many things that we won't understand, regardless of what group you come from, that takes place in our life. There are things we would never comprehend that take place in this life. 
And that can be confusing because it derives from the ethnicity groups that causes all these different, huh? All these different uh, opinions about who God really is. Especially when it comes down to the eternal spirit of God and the eternal spirit of Christ. People just don't understand or comprehend. Huh? Because in so many different ethnicity groups, there's so many beliefs about the one God we're talking about and his eternal spirit and his eternal son. Huh? Because the quality or, or the fact of us belonging to a population group or subgroup made up of people who share a common cultural background or descent. This very aspect or particular part of feature of something or this very particular part of our culture background or descent makes it difficult for us as a whole to understand and comprehend the eternal spirit of God and the eternal spirit of Christ. And the main reason for this is the eternal spirit of God and the eternal spirit of Christ has, be, has to be revealed through Christ's teaching. And the majority of the people who attend church and goes back and forth to church Bible study, I don't even think they even comprehend this list. Just a few words I just spoke from out of my mouth. huh? I don't even think they understand that to understand who God is and to be born again of God, to be born of the Spirit of God, it has to be revealed through Christ's teaching. And I just thank God from out of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things belongs to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belongs to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words huh, of his law. You know, the church that God has called me into is the Law of God International Church. So in the next huh, several years, if you ever hear that, it came from out. That's where I started at in the eternal glory of God, the Law of God International Church. So God is saying that people don't even understand huh, all my words of my law. Because in, 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 in Romans, Chapter 7, verse 24 and 25, he says, Who can deliver me from the, this, 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 this body of death? He says, I thank God through the Spirit of Christ that the law of God is what I serve in my mind. So the law of God is the body of God as being born again as, as through the Son of Christ. He is the one that can deliver us from this body of death. But the secret things belong to the Lord God, but God has to reveal them through, uh, to us through his son Christ. But so many people don't understand that concept. Huh? And the spirit of God and the spirit of Christ has been lost or misinterpreted or wrongly perceived what the word of God intended for it to be was explained incorrectly to the people of God because it was never revealed to the persons or persons who's doing the teaching.
in order for the eternal spirit of God to be revealed to us, it has to come from the one God revealed it to first, who is his son Christ, who, by the way, is our revelation teacher. According to Matthew 23, 8, it says, But you do not be called rabbi, for there is one, huh, who is your teacher, and that's the Spirit of Christ. If God's word is going to be revealed to us, it's going to have to come from Christ teaching and not the wisdom and the teaching of man's doctrines and commandments. Why? Because in John 6, 45 says, it is written in the prophets. So somewhere in the scriptures from generation to, gener excuse me, from Genesis to Revelation, I said you, generation, trying to say Genesis and Revelation is generation, but from Genesis to Revelation, look what he says. Hmm? Because in John 6, 45, it is written in the prophets, and we shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has learned huh, and heard from the Father comes to Christ. So no man can go to Christ except, excuse me, no man can get to God except through Christ's teaching. And when the scripture says that uh, if you sin, you are none of God's. But people want to get upset with you because they don't understand what the word is saying. I didn't say it. I'm reading what it says, and I understand and comprehend what he's speaking. See, people think because they are tied to Jesus, they are in, in relationship with God. You know what's amazing to me about all this here is that if God didn't need Christ to come for Jesus, he would have sent Jesus by himself without Christ being baptized, I mean, without Jesus being baptized by Christ. He would have just came and sent Jesus, his only begotten son, and left the beloved son up that way he was, huh? And then when he sent this begotten son, he would not, he would have not, he would not have needed Christ to come. But even Jesus, in the flesh of a man and in the flesh of a woman, from the flesh of a woman, needed Christ, the Spirit of God, in the body that was made without hands to come receive him unto himself. For as John put it like this here, and when he came into his own, his own did not receive him. So therefore, they received Jesus, but when Christ came on Jesus to make him his own, they did not receive him because now he was in another dimension in God. Because his teaching has changed. One day I want to truly explain how, how powerful when Christ came in the body of Jesus. And Jesus went through the 40 days in the wilderness and was tempted by the enemy, by death, by the devil. The 40 days took for Jesus to realize he was no longer Mary, baby boy. He had to realize that the spirit of him and the promise of our father that came upon him during the baptism was his teacher. 
to bring him through the 40 days so that he can actually operate in the place where God called him to be because now he's in his own as Christ. See? See, Jesus was the Christ when Christ came upon him as Jesus. But the Christ was not revealed to Jesus until Jesus was raised from the dead and came through the six-inch doors that were shut. Then he knew he was the Christ. Not the first 40 days he was baptized, but the last 40 days of his baptism. That's when he was revealed. Now, you can be told something and it's never revealed to you. Hmm? So when Jesus had to go through the 40 days, it was to actually get him to operate from out of a body that was made from out of, without hands on the sixth day so that he can be in a place where God rested on the seventh day because there is a rest for the people of God who believe in the eternal glory of his spirit. So when you believe in eternal life, you are resting in a place where God has called you into that you don't even understand the rest that you have in God. And all you have to do is continue in the rest that God has given to the people of God. Why? Because we are all taught and learn and heard the teaching of God through his son Christ. So in essence, even Christ's learning and teaching had to come from God. This means to us that if the secret things that belong to God has to be revealed to us through Christ, if indeed Christ is our teacher, Scripture's Father indicates to us through Christ's teaching in Matthew 13 and 11, in Mark 4, 11. Christ answered and said to them, It has been given to you, and it has been given to me to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Mark 4, 13 says, And Christ says to them, Do you not understand or comprehend this parable? How then will you understand or comprehend all parables? Now, this may sound like a, huh, a rehearse, and it is, but we're going to get to where we're going after finish explaining where we're heading. So Christ's teaching says, if you don't recognize this parable here, there are so many other things I'm going to teach on that's going to blow your mind. For this we have learned, the secret things of God is a mystery. This far we have learned that the secret things of God is a mystery that has to be revealed through Christ's teaching from God. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age or the dispensation of the fullness of time, nor of the spiritual church leaders, who are the rulers of our faith-based communities of this age, who are coming to nothing, 
by teaching and practice, huh? By teaching and by teaching and preaching to the saints of God, we all have to die. And tomorrow's not promised, and life is too short. But we speak the wisdom of God. This is in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Uh-oh. The hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages and dispensation of the fullness of time for our glory. For this purpose and for this precise reason, we here at the Spiritual Cuts Ministry and through the promise of our Father podcast teach boldly on the words of eternal life and living forever and not dying. Because our speech and our preaching and our teaching through these sermonic presentations are not with persuasive words of human and man's wisdom. Hey, glory. But of our teaching is to, from the words of eternal life and living forever and not dying is in the demonstration of the spirit and the power of God. Come on. First Corinthians, First Corinthians 4 says, and you are Christ, and Christ is God. Let a man or let a woman so consider us here at the promise of our Father podcast and the Spiritual Cuts Ministry as faithful servants of Christ and faithful servants of the mystery of God. These messages could be, if you are now just listening and been tuning in and not fully comprehending what's really being said and understood, maybe these messages just could be a mystery. And we just read in Matthews 4, Mark 4 and Matthews 13, 11, it is for you to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. And he says, no, if, if you miss out on this mystery, hey, glory. he said, you would miss out on all parables of the mystery that I'm going to be teaching you about the kingdom. Come on. You hear what I'm saying? So, so many people are lost. Huh? So many people are lost because they don't understand the mystery. And it is a shame that the majority of people been going to church all their lifetime and don't even know the mystery of the kingdom of God. It took me many years to realize what the mystery of the kingdom of God is. But when God revealed it to me, I was never so much happier than I am right now because I realized I started to grow in a place in God where he called me to be at in his glory because the mysteries of the kingdom is his glory. So it says, let a man or a woman so consider us here at the Spiritual Cuts Ministry as faithful servants of Christ and faithful servants of the mysteries of the kingdom of God. In Colossians, it explains it even better, pertaining to the mystery and the secrets or the secret things of God. Colossians chapter 1, verse 24, it says, We now rejoice in our suffering for you here at the Spiritual Cuts Ministry and the Promise of Our Father podcast. 
We filled up in our flesh what is lacking in the affliction of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church, of which we became spiritual church leaders according to the stewardship from God, which was given to us for you and for you and for me to fulfill the word of God. Colossians 1, 26 says, in the mystery, uh-oh, there it go again. There goes that word again. It's going to keep showing. And the mystery, which has been hidden from ages, from generation to generation. Ain't the, look at God. God said the mysteries of the kingdom of God has been hidden from generation to generation. So God is, in essence, saying the mystery of his glory has been hidden. Come on. From, from generations to But now, uh-oh, but now, glory be to God. But now has been re revealed to his saints and Christians and believers and his spiritual church. See, but now. That's what we do here, huh, on the Spiritual Cuts Ministry, here at the Spiritual Cuts Ministry and the promise of our Father. We are revealing the mystery of the kingdom of God. So if you're trying to comprehend something you can't perceive, you might not understand that it is a mystery. Because you are still waiting on a parable. Because your mindset has been trained by the gods and the spiritual church leaders of this world to train you to, re huh? to not to even comprehend or even receive what is the mystery of the kingdom of God when it is spoken in your hearing. To them, God will to make known. Colossians 1.27, what are the riches of the glory of this mystery to the Gentiles? Huh? To the to the ethnicity groups, to the spiritual church leader, to the whosoever moved church, huh? To all these different denominations, huh? Affiliations that we are that we are that we are actually huh? Seeing in the earthly realm today. Come on. He says, this is the mystery of the kingdom of God for us, which is the Christ in you, which is the Christ in me. Uh oh, the hope of glory. Hey, glory. Not just glory, but the hope of glory. Huh? Scripture says, what shall a man or woman hope for if they don't know what they're hoping for? But the hope of glory, yeah, glory. So when you come into the hope, you are actually in a place where God can reveal. But when you have the hope as the glory, you don't need to be, you don't need to understand. You don't need to actually hope no more. Hmm? Because what you're hoping for has appeared. The hope of glory. Christ put it like this out of Luke 17, 20. He says that, mm, he says, uh, watch the kingdom of God or the glory of God going to come without observation. He said, you don't need to go look here. Hey, you don't know. You don't need to go look there because the hope of glory, the king of glory is within you. 
think I got to get out of that. Hey, glory. Anybody's feeling the hope of glory right now? If you are not, I'm feeling it for you, huh? Even on this podcast. Man, I'd I, I be glad, huh? It's just a few more weeks and a few more days that God is going to let us be locked in 2024. And you're going to be able to see my reaction of why, when we are teaching these words of eternal life. We're going to be all over the continent. We're going to be all over the cities. We're going to be all over the, in, in different states teaching live. Not just me here at the Spiritual Cuts Ministry, but all the Spiritual Cuts leaders out there are part of the Spiritual Cuts Ministry. The hope of glory. Yeah, I love it, man. I love it. This is what we preach here at the Promise of Our Father podcast. And this is what we teach at the Spiritual Cuts Ministry. The hope of glory. Who is Christ in you? Why? Because we are here to warn every man and every woman in all wisdom and all knowledge of God. In all the knowledge of the mystery of Christ. That we may present every man and every woman perfect in the presence of Christ Jesus. So in retrospect... Whoever has been born of God does not sin. It's a secret thing of God and is a mystery that we are required as a, as a prerequisite to know to have the glory and the kingdom of God in Christ. Hmm? Let's dive into the mystery and the secret things of God to unravel what has been revealed to the saints of God. The process of being born again over the decades and throughout the years has not been fully explained to the majority of believers and saints of God. Why? Because they rejoice over someone confessing with their mouth and believing in their hearts that the Lord Jesus was raised from the dead huh? by God. See, a lot of people rejoice over things and don't even know what they're rejoicing about. So, in essence, the process of being born again over the decades, throughout the years, has not been fully explained to the majority of God's people, to the majority of the saints of God, because they rejoice over the con someone confessing with their mouth and believing in their hearts that the Lord Jesus was raised from the dead by God. The majority of the spiritual church leaders are so caught up into that. They completely forget to teach and train the individuals or persons the full process of the baptism that Christ teaches us on in Matthew 28, 19. God has given Christ authority over the heavens and the earth. That we should go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations and ethnicity groups, baptizing them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. The process of being born again and being baptized in these three entities has been lost throughout the years and decades. Why? 
because most spiritual church leaders has figured because the person or individual who confess with their mouth and believe in their hearts that God has raised the Lord Jesus from the dead in the same is the same is the same is the look at you is the same is the same as being born of God. That's one of the biggest misconceptions. That is being preached and teach, and they think it is the same, the same, the same thing. And never touch inside the water yet. Never touch inside the spirit of the water, where the spirit or where the water abides at. And they think it's the same thing. Huh? The entity has been so lost for so many years. My brothers, we have a lot of work to do in explaining the words of eternal life. It is exciting to me because God is revealing to the saints the hidden mystery that he hid from the saints for ages, but now it's being revealed through the one among a thousand who will go out and teach the message of the knowledge of the glory of God. Hmm? He's going to teach them his uprightness. He's going to teach them from going down to the pit. He's going to teach them from going down to the grave. He's teaching us to not to go down to death. Hmm? So the entire, the entity of being baptized in the name of the Father has been lost. So now God is bringing us into a place where just because you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that we shall be saved doesn't make you saved from death. It makes you saved from going to hell. It takes you from out of the grips or the hands, from out of the enemy. So therefore, there's a lot of work that we must do and continue to do as we continue to prepare for these messages and speaking to the people of God who think just because they confess with their mouth and believe in their heart, they're born of God. That is not so. Why? Because that person or individual still has to be baptized by the water and the spirit. Yeah, I got to get out of that. Hmm? When you are not baptized by the water and the spirit, and even if you're baptized by the spirit, or you're baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and they're not explaining what you just done in the power and the presence of God, you are just still where you left out at because you have no clue what you was born into. This message is the process of understanding why you are born of God. And not the enemy. So let me finish here. Let me finish here. Because that person or individual still has to be baptized by the water and the spirit of God to enter into the kingdom of God. 
Christ teaches us how important it is on what he was teaching on his last day of his 40 days after being raised from the dead in Matthews 28, 19. He explained what must happen to receive the glory of God and to be born again of God and not sin. Because whoever has been born of God does not sin. Let's go to John 3, 6 to understand what we need to be born of before we can receive God's glory and eternal life. So John 3, verse 3, a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, we all know the story. And he was asking the question, you know what I mean? What do I do? What must I do to be? I know you're a teacher and I came by night. I want to know what I got to do to be born again. Christ said to Nicodemus, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he or she cannot see the kingdom of God. Because Nicodemus thought he had to go back and enter into a second time into his mother's womb. But Christ said, no, don't be silly. I thought you was a teacher. I thought you was a spiritual church leader. I thought you was a high priest. I thought you was, a, uh, you know what I mean, a leader in the community or the faith-based community, Nicodemus. He said to Nicodemus, I say to you, unless one is born, he or she cannot enter or see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to Christ, well, how can a man or a woman be born when he or she is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born again? Christ answered and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and of the spirit, he or she cannot enter into the kingdom of God's glory. This is very important to know this because when an individual or person repent and confess with their mouth and believe in their heart that God raised the Lord Jesus from the dead, it's not the same as being baptized by the water and the spirit of God. Then they like to connect this verse of scripture to being born again and being baptized. Luke 15 verse 10. Likewise, I say to you, Christ was teaching. Hmm? He was teaching on the parables of the virgins. He says, likewise, I say to you, there is a joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. And this is saying, and this saying, and in this, and this is insinuating, and this is saying that the angels of God is rejoicing in God's presence because someone has repented. Not because someone has been born again of the water and the spirit of God. So your confession of your mouth and you repenting before God is not the same as being born again of the water and the spirit. Christ answered most assuredly in verse 5, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the Spirit of God, he or she cannot enter into the kingdom of God's glory. Why? <coughs> Excuse me. Because that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit of God is 
spirit. This is heavy because most people who are baptized in the water and whoever is doing the baptism is saying to that person, I baptize you in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit. And even to those who being and even to those who baptize in the name of Jesus Christ, found in Acts 238, has to be taught and explained the process of the baptism as Christ taught in his teaching in Matthew 28, 19. If you baptize that person or individual in that manner, whether you come, huh, whether you come from out of Matthew 28, 19, or you come from out of Acts 2, 38, if that person don't know what they've been baptized into, and if that person don't know what they've been baptized from, they can never be born of God and understand and comprehend they do not have sin. You got to watch out. Come on. Even the earth had to understand and comprehend the process being baptized of the water and to be born of the Spirit and of God. Let me say that again. The earth had to be baptized and they had to comprehend the process of being baptized by the water and the Spirit to be born of God. In Genesis 1-1, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Huh? In Genesis 1-2, it says, and the earth was without form and void and darkness upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God hovering over the face of the water. Uh-oh, that go to water. Uh-oh, that go to spirit. So the water and the spirit was creating something that was damaged. The earth was damaged. The earth was in darkness. The earth was in sin. Huh? Because when Lucifer got kicked out, huh? Darkness came up into the earth. Because when God created, it always was what God put from out of Himself. And God does not put out any garbage. And God does not put out any sin through His creation, because it can't be born of God in sin. Because if you are born in sin, huh? And God is you. And you say you are born of God. You got it backwards. But even the earth had to ask God in prayer, Father, hmm? I want what I had before what I lost, before it left me, before it was taken. And the earth says, Lord, baptize me. Say glory. And God baptized the earth through the water in the spirit. And God said, let that be. When he came out, he explained to him what he did. Let that be light. And the light of the glory of God's spirit manifest the glory in the darkness and the void and the empty space. So that's why Christians and believers don't understand why they're in a place where they're not supposed to be because they don't understand even the light. Yeah, I got to get out of that. Had to be baptized. By the water and spirit. So whatever Nicodemus was asking, it was for our glory. It was for our benefit. And then God says, let there be light. And there was light. You hear what I'm saying? So we have to understand that when God says something, his word will not return to him void. And so many people don't realize the power of the anointing of God's word. You hear what I'm saying? 
God is our awesome God. God give us an illustration of everything that he is doing in the earth, throughout the scriptures. If you search the scriptures, then you may think you have eternal life. That's how I know these messages are powerful. Because God teaches us how to teach the power of the message that is of God. So when he was on the face of the deep and the spirit hovered, and then God said, let there be light. Huh? The earth had to be born of the water and the spirit of God in order for the restoration of God's glory to manifest in the dust. You got to hear this. God had to take the sin from out of the dust. Yo, boy. That came from out of the earth. <laughs> Before he rested on the seventh day to allow for his son Christ, who is the Lord God, in Genesis 2, 7, to form man from the dust of the ground. Before Christ breathed, in, huh, breathed the breath of eternal life into the dust. The dust could not have sin in it to be born again of God. And we too cannot have sin in our bodies that came from the dust to be born of God. When the earth realized that they had no sin in its body, the earth testified to God and Christ and said, it shall live forever and not die. Y'all better be lucky. I'm where I'm at because if I was standing up, I'd be running around the church right now. Y'all better watch out. So the earth even testified that he had to live forever to be born again of God and had no sin in it. Even the dust had to repent and be baptized and born again of God by the water and the spirit before it can be touched by the water that was from the spirit to be born from out of the dust of the ground to be made a man in his image and likeness again. Come on. I got to get out of there. How can we prove huh, to be, how can we prove that the earth had to do these things in the presence of God? And Ecclesiastic 1.4 tells us one generation passes away and another generation comes, but the earth shall abide forever. Even the earth and the dust had to be born again to abide forever in the presence of God without sin. And you need to remember this one thing, that we all come from the dust. See, we all came from the earth, from out of the dust of the earth. And Christ breathed the spirit of him and the promise of our father that he created on the sixth day into our nostrils. And we was without sin, born again. Thank glory of God. Whoever has been born of God does not sin. Whoever has been born of God does not sin. Let's go to 1 John chapter 3, verse 9. Whoever has been born of God does not sin, for God's seed remains in him or her. And he or she cannot sin because he has been or she has been 
born of God. So if we are reading, if we are reading this correctly, the words of God in 1 John 3, 9, it's letting us know we have no sin in us if, in fact, we are born of God. And if, in fact, we are the seed of God that remains in us. If the seed of God remains in us, we're in another place in God. So I want to say this here. This is one of the most powerful concepts pertaining to God's words of eternal life and living forever and not dying. Because if you perceive in your mind and in your thoughts, you are a sinner after being born again of the water and the spirit of God. You are making the word of God out of a lie. And God cannot lie because he's not man that he have to. Scriptures teaches us in Romans 3.23. It says, for all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. It says we fall short because we have sinned, but it didn't say we couldn't be without sin after we fell short of his glory. Because if we could not be without sin, it could not have said through the word of God, whoever has been born of God does not sin. And the reason most saints of God remain in the flesh is because they continue to pray to die. First John 5, 16, give us a, 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 a actual count of this. In verse 16, in first John chapter five says, if anyone sees his or her brother or his or her sister sinning a sin, which does not lead to death, he or she will ask and God will give him or her eternal life for those who commit sin, not leading to death. Now, this is heavy because there's a sin that leads not unto death, but there's a sin that leads to death. We're going to get to that in a minute. But look what the scripture says. If you see anyone, his or her, huh, does not huh, committing a sin that leads not unto death, he or she would act and will give him or her. God will give it to him. Eternal life. To those who commit not sin. And let me explain this here. The body only deteriorates because sin is in it. The body is dead if Christ be in you because of sin. So the body is deteriorating because of sin. But the inward man that is being renewed day by day, those who practice eternal life, those who practice righteousness in the presence of God, huh? the old man is disappearing, but the new man is being renewed day by day. And therefore, and furthermore, we are waiting on the redemption of the body from out of Romans 24. So 824, because we are waiting on something for God to do as he did in Genesis. And if he did it in Genesis, if they put their hands out and eat again of the tree of eternal life, they should live forever again. God is saying, you just wait for the redemption of your body. And he or she huh, will ask and God will give him or her eternal life for those who commit, huh? Those who commit sin not leading to death. There is a sin leading to death. I do not say that he or she should pray about that. Uh oh, 
Now we finna get into the pun. So you mean to tell me that people, especially Christians and believers, especially saints of God, especially spiritual church leaders, especially at funerals, and when they are giving an eulogy for someone who just died, they actually are praying for death on behalf of every person who is in the attendance of that going home celebration to be with the Lord. They are praying on everyone's behalf when they say out of their mouth and believing in their heart, they're trying to back it up with scriptures like Hebrews 9.27, it is appointed for a man, Hebrews 9.27, it is appointed for a woman uh, to die once, but after this, the judgment, but they don't explain the next verse of scripture in Hebrews 9.28, so Christ who suffered once for all to bear sins for all of many of all, he bears sin, who, who died once. Who was offered once to bear the sins of many to those who eagerly wait for him. So therefore, if I don't die, I'm eagerly waiting. Those who eagerly waiting in Romans 23 and 24, eagerly waiting for the redemption of the body. We are eagerly waiting, although Christ died once for our place. If he died once in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 8, 9, and 10, he died once for us. If he died once, we should not be in fear of death all our lifetime that we was in. Huh? Because he has released us from the fear of death that we had been all our lifetime. In Hebrews 9, 27 says, huh? But after this judgment, Christ offered himself to bear the sins of many to, who, to those who wait eagerly for him. He will appear a second time apart from sin. For eternal salvation. So people don't even realize when Christ comes back for his church the second time. He's coming back for a body that has no sin and been born of God. And those who've been born of God don't walk around and say we all have to die. Tomorrow's not promised, huh? And life is too short. That's not being born of God. That's being born of the devil. That's being born of a man. That's being born of a spiritual church leader. That's being born of your mama. That's being born of your daddy. That's being born of your cousin them and your friends them and your membership them. That's being born of them. But those who eagerly wait for him at his appearance the second time. Hey, those who remain in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 17, but they that remain in our life shall eagerly wait for his coming. Oh, God, for the eternal salvation. Last week we told you that Christ, from out of Hebrews 5, verse 9, that he's the eternal salvation. And Jesus came, huh? To for the eternal knowledge, for the knowledge of salvation. And God sent this son Christ to teach us on the eternal salvation. But you have, but you have those who are out there 
who have thought, who have taught to practice to die. There are so many people have been practiced. I was taught to die. I was teaching others as a minister, even as a pastor at one time, before I came into the knowledge that we all have to die. And tomorrow is promised. It's not promised. And life is too short. That was the language of an unlearned minister. That was the language of an unlearned pastor. That was the language of an unlearned, huh? Minister, pastor, and a steward of God. Thought I was pleasing God. But I want you to realize people are out there. These are those who are out there who have taught to practice to die. Practice to every, huh? And even practice, even pray to die. By saying we all have to die. By saying tomorrow is not promised. By saying that life is too short. Spiritual church leaders are praying this and they are practicing death at all these funerals and eulogies around the world. But scriptures teaches us in 1 John 5.16, God will give eternal life to those who commit sin, not leading to death. And he desired that we don't pray for sin that leads to death. But John 17 makes it clear. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 17, it makes it clear. Huh? It reads, all unrighteousness is sin. And there is a sin leading huh? not unto death. This is heavy because if you don't understand what this is saying, you'll turn the pages like I used to turn the pages when I was studying, when I used to tell everybody, everybody had to die. I see that and I say, well, I don't know what that means. I will turn the page, just keep on teaching what I'm teaching. But the scripture says all unrighteousness is sin. It's a true fact. But there is a sin not leading to death, just as true as that fact that we just read. So what sin is this John is talking about that leads not unto death? Romans 8.10 says, and if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. But the Spirit of God, the eternal life of God, huh? because of his eternal spirit and the eternal spirit of Christ is in you, the body of Christ is in you, has no sin in it. That lead not unto death. Hey. And it allowed for you to be the seed of God that remains in you because of Christ's eternal spirit. So because the body is dead because of sin, there's a sin that leads not unto death. So the body that has sin in it doesn't lead to death if you don't practice death in that dead body. But if you practice death in that dead body, that body going to revive and they're going to live and they're going to die when you get old enough as the body deteriorates because of sin in the body causes the deterioration. And the inner man that is being renewed day by day because you don't practice eternal life, the body that's outside is dying because of what's in the inside, huh, to lie dormant. Because you are not speaking, calling the things that are dead as though it was alive as it is. Because God says, I call everything that is dead quickens. Huh? Romans 17, 417. 
And God who gives life to the dead quickens huh? the dead body and give eternal life to that thing that is not as though it were. So that's how you began to understand the process of being born again. Hey, glory of the spirit of God. I got to get out of there. So if God sees the remain in you, you have to understand this concept. Now you have to get this. First John 5.1 Whoever believed that Jesus is the Christ is, belong, is born of God. And everyone who loves God who begot also love him or her who is begotten of God. So Christ is the begotten son of God. Excuse me. Jesus is the begotten son of God. And now you got to believe, huh? whosoever believe that Jesus is born of God. Excuse me, let me read that. I'm reading it. Okay. Whoever believe that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Now, just because you believe that Jesus is the Christ doesn't make you born of God unless you understand the process how you've been born into the body of Jesus, into the body of Christ, into the body of God. Now, you can confess it. It's no more than a confession with your mouth and believe in your heart. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ. Huh? Because some people don't believe that Jesus is the Christ in some religion, as a Muslim does. But God is saying, whosoever believe that Jesus is the Christ. Now, this takes you to another dimension. Because in 1 John chapter 4 over there, it says, whoever believed that Jesus came in the flesh is born of God. So now you have these two scenarios that is teaching us about Jesus being the Christ, being born. So being born of God is believing in Christ, that Jesus is the Christ as, as, as Jesus. So now we have to break it down. huh? We know that whoever is born of God in 1 John 5, the same chapter, verse 18. We know that whoever is born of God does not sin. So when Jesus was born of God, and became the Christ, he didn't sin. When he was in the wilderness for 40 days, he had to practice how to be in the body that had just came, a fresh body that just came in a bodily form in the spirit of God, in the flesh of God, on him in the flesh of Mary's body, for him to be in a body that was without sin. So when Jesus received the body that was without sin was when he came from out of the wilderness for 40 days because the enemy tempted him on this body. He said, man, check out this. I got some bread. Whoo, grandma made this bread. Huh? Grandma Eva made this bread. Huh? 
And Christ told him to tell him, hey, tell this man, man cannot live off your grandma evil bread, but by the bread of God and the word that proceeds from out of the mouth of God is greater than your mama bread, your mama bread evil. And he started walking and the enemy came back at him again. So the enemy don't stop because you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Christ. The enemy don't stop if he know you don't know that why Jesus is the Christ. The enemy come at you in all angers and try to take you out and wipe you out in any dimension that he can. Because if he know you don't have the knowledge of the spirit of him and the promise of our father he's gonna bug your flesh until you give in to it you're gonna start walking around and say we all gotta die and tomorrow not promise and you know life is too short you're gonna get with that group but if you get into the place where you realize that Jesus had to go through something to get into the body to be born by Christ to be born by God because Christ had to bring Jesus body to be born so therefore if your body's not born of Christ, you are none of his, and you are still in the body of Jesus needing to be born. I got to get out of all that. We know whoever, whosoever is born of God does not sin, but he or she who has been born of God keeps himself, keeps herself, and keeps himself from death. And the enemy and death cannot touch them. Can you imagine me setting up your gift to live in the wood and I feel so good because I know death can't touch me. Death can't touch you. Because there's no sin in you and there's no, there's no bad seed in you. If you've been born of God. If you understand that you are, not, you don't see people tell you, yeah, he's trying to say he ain't got no sin. Who he think he is? I am the son of the living God. Who are you, Joker? Don't ask me who I am. I knock you out. Ask me that old crazy question. I am the son of the living God, and death has to bow down to you, and death has to bow down to me. So don't ask me no crazy question. And don't talk to me about no tomorrow ain't promised. And you know, we all have to die. You better get out of here with that foolishness. My brothers and my sisters, let me see if I can finish this up. Whosoever has been born of God does not sin. First John 3, 9. For his seed remains in him or her, and he or she cannot sin. Because he or she has been born of God. This is where I've been trying to get to. Last week, I talked about John, 1 John 3, 7. Whosoever is born of God, they practice eternal life. But today, the scripture says in 1 John 3, verse 9 and 10, his seed remains in him and he cannot sin. But in verse 10, look, he says, but he's born of God. And this is the children of God and the children of the devil are manifested. So two children are manifested from two different families. There's the family that is born of God, and there's the family that is born of death. Because whoever does not practice eternal life is not of God's family. Nor is he or she who does not love his brother Christ, the one he sent to get Jesus. Even Jesus had to fall back in love with Christ to get back to God. 
If you don't love your brother Christ, same. And all you talk about is his brother, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, huh? That was named Jesus. You're still at the cross and you are not born of God, but you are born of Jesus. And being born of Jesus does not get you born into God because you confess with your mouth. You repent with your mouth, huh? That God raised him from the dead. You shall be saved. And then you should ask yourself, what am I saved from? I got to get out of all that. So my brothers and sisters, look what First, uh, first John chapter 3, verse 10 says. Huh? He says, whoever does not practice eternal life is not of God, nor he or she. Huh? Is of Christ, his brother. Now remember, whoever doesn't practice righteousness, in Proverbs 12, 28, you're going to keep hearing me saying, in the way of righteousness is eternal life, and there is no death in his pathway. So in essence, for John 3, 9 says, whoever does not practice eternal life is not of God and has not been born of God. But last week in 1 John 3, 7, it said that little children and Christians and believers and spiritual church leaders, let no one deceive you. Because he or she who practice eternal life, he or she who practice God's eternal spirit is born of the eternal spirit of God. And he or she cannot sin because God's seed remains in him or her. First Corinthians says it like this, verse 37. What will you sow? You do not sow that body that shall be, but mere grain, perhaps wheat or something other than grain. But in verse 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 15, verse, but God. Gives it in verse 38, but God gives it in first 1 first Corinthians 15, 38, but God gives it a body as he pleases and to each seed its own body. Now let me show you how heavy this is. In Mark 4, 11 through 13 and 14, and Matthew 13, 11, 12 and 13, look what the scriptures say. Christ was teaching. He says, do you not understand or comprehend this parable? How then will you understand or comprehend all parables? And he says, and the sower sows the word. So Peter said, where shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. So if you got the words of God, whew, so you hear what I'm saying? Peter said, where will we go? Let me say that again. Where will we go? You got the words of eternal life. If you do not understand this parable, he says, and the soul sows the word. So when you practice, huh? Eternal life, you are sowing the words of eternal life. But when you practice, unrighteousness, you are practicing death when you don't practice eternal life. When you're walking around saying we all have to die and tomorrow's not promised, huh? 
You have to understand. You ain't sowing the body. See, Abraham formed the body from out of his language. Death and life is in the power of your language. So if you're saying we all have to die, tomorrow's not promised, huh? And we life is too short. Your language is giving you what you're asking for because that's what you've been practicing. But if you practice the eternal glory of God, if you sow the seed, sow the word of God, he or she is sown the words of eternal life. And if the soul sow the word, he or she is practicing eternal life. But to those who do not practice, eternal life is not born. Of God, but whoever practices eternal life is born of God, and there is no sin in him or her. Greater is he that is in us, that is the wicked than the wicked one, than the doubt that is in the world. Greater is the seed of God that is in us, the seed of Christ that is God that is in us, born of God, youth or ever, practice eternal life, is born of God. This is Pastor D, my brothers and sisters. I got to get out of all that. Hey, glory, come on. The scripture says if you don't practice eternal life, you are not born of God. I pray that this message resonate with those who are listening and those who are going to hear this message. Share this message with your friends and your loved one. Huh? Because this is heavy to me. It's not a profound message. I don't speak all eloquent and I don't try to use all the big words and I ain't going to try either. Much as I mess up some stuff. But I want you to know whosoever is born of God does not have sin in them. Are you born of God? Are you manifesting the devil and saying we all have to die? Are you giving the glory to the devil? See, Jesus had a chance to give the glory to the devil when he came through the baptism of Christ and went through the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. Hungry. Huh? Hungry. So God put his body in the position that made him want something in the body that he didn't really need. So if you're putting stuff in your body and you're eating stuff in your body that you don't really need, shame on you. Because you could never be born of God. But they that are eating the fruit of the tree of eternal life huh, shall live forever and not die. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. He that is whosoever believe that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. My brothers and sisters, this is Pastor D. Watch coming to you live from our spiritual culture ministry from out of Atlanta, Georgia. The promise of our Father, Paraclet. We give you glory, Father.